You're listening to Nitty Gritty Nursing with Nurse M, where she breaks down the nitty gritty basics of nursing concepts. Hello and welcome to Nitty Gritty Nursing with Nurse M. Today I'm going to break down the newborn transition principles that I know of. Granted, my full disclosure here is I am not a pediatric nurse specifically. I am not a specialized NICU nurse or labor and delivery nurse. No, I'm born and raised emergency room. And so what I've done is I call it the newborn transition triangle, but really what this is in my world is the evil triangle of transition. And the reason why I denote it and call it the evil triangle of transition is because there's three major aspects of newborn care as soon as they make their exodus from the womb to the real world that I'm just always very cognizant of. And there's three big things. If you think of a triangle has three points, the three things are going to be, you know, airway and or respiratory drive. The second triangle point is glucose, and the third triangle point is hypothermia. And if you think back and you like watch all of the different um, you know, shows that might have newborns being born, the first thing that they do is when the newborn comes out, they warm them up, they pat them, they make sure they have an airway, and then they feed them and they, they put them on the birth parent's chest for food. So with that in mind, this is my quick breakdown of the three main things that we always have to be cognizant of as nurses when we're taking care of a brand new newborn into the world. And because I'm such a proponent of, you know, the ABCs, the first one I'm going to start with is airway and essentially newborn respiratory distress if they come out not breathing well. I should also illustrate that because if you were to draw this triangle out and on each point put glucose on one, hypothermia or, you know, thermoregulation on another one, and then airway on the third one, when one of these fails, the other two are going to be adversely affected. So for example, you know, when we when a newborn doesn't have enough glucose, they're not going to be able to breathe adequately because they're not going to have the sugar to move those muscles. And consequently, they're not going to have the sugar to try to keep themselves warm. If we think about it from a thermoregulation, if they get too cold, they're going to burn through their glucose really quickly, and then they're not going to have their glucose and they're going to have an airway issue. So these three components of the evil triangle of transition really interplay in between themselves very concisely and concretely in a very simple way to understand the care of these newborns that are making their appearance for the first time in in the world. So let's start with airway. Basically, when you think about like the pie analogy that I use, the way that these kids are going to present when they have an airway or a respiratory distress issue is they're going to have increased respiratory rate and an increased work of breathing. And you're going to see that in the use of like retractions, accessory muscles. They're going to be nasal flaring because we know that these newborns are obligatory nasal passage breathers. And then oftentimes what you might hear is you might hear them grunting and it sounds a little bit like a cooing, like a <clears throat> and oftentimes Parents think it's a really cute thing, but it is not cute. So grunting in a newborn is not cute, even though it kind of sounds like a (laughs) because they're really trying to increase that pressure to breathe. And when you go to listen to their lung sounds, they might have crackles. It might be diminished breath sounds. So what are we going to do? We really need to look at what their O2 is doing. What is their CO2 doing? Maybe we're going to get some blood gases off of the umbilical line if goodness heavens, so be it. And then we really need to look at the response of 
how we're going to address this. And that has to do with positioning, right? We're going to put these newborns, um, you know, maybe in the prone position or in a sniffing position where their head is tilted just a little bit as if they were, you know, sniffing bread in the air. Or when you go to sniff something in the air and you lift that head up, that's called the sniffing position. And we do that because it opens up the airway. And then the big thing is airway clearance. You need to suction these newborns if they have a lot of, you know, gunk inside their airway. Give them oxygen. The other thing that we would consider doing, depending on how old or premature the infant is, it would be to give them surfactant, oftentimes via the endotracheal tube, if needed. So in a very concise method, that is airway for the newborn. Now let's transition that to glucose. Okay, and glucose is super important um, because there's a lot of different factors that go into it. And again, this is just for newborn care. And when we think about normal blood glucose levels in like the adult population, honestly, it really kind of depends on what shop you're working in, what hospital you're working in. Um, Mine is anything below 70 is considered low. Anything above 70 is considered normal. And then you really want it to be like, 70 to 100 or 70 to 110. And once you start going above 110 and you get to the 150s, now we're talking diabetes. In the newborn, that's not the case. And it's not the case because it's not like they've been mowing down on chips while they've been in utero. No, they've just been getting what the birth parent has been giving them. And so when we consider, and again, this is going to be very hospital specific. So I would say if you're listening to this, check and see what your own hospital or what your own nursing school says or what they want you to know in terms of the the monitoring levels. But for perspective, we know that like normal CBGs in the adult population are going to range between 70 and 100. Well, in the newborns, right, we really would like for their blood glucose levels to be above 45. That is, if a newborn comes out and their blood glucose is, you know, 46, oftentimes, like, we're just going to continue to monitor and establish intake and start getting them to to the chest or the breast um, for that consumption of their initial food. Um, when we start, when we do a CBG and it's, say, 25 to 45, norm, this is when an intervention is required. And oftentimes, it's we need to feed the babe Or we need to give them like an oral gel in their mouth and start to get that glucose up. Because once we go above, below, sorry, below 25, that's now emergent. And that would denote the need for like IV dextrose in these newborns. So the infants that are at risk for hypoglycemia at birth are going to be, if you think back to your maternal child health nursing, it's going to be birth parents who maybe had maternal diabetes. Uh, maybe they had some sort of gestational diabetes and those kiddos come out fairly large, uh, but then they also, their blood sugars tank quite quickly. Uh, prematurity is also a risk factor for the development of hyper, hypo excuse me, hypoglycemia, and low birth weights are also another risk factor for hypoglycemia. And so what does this look like? How do these kids present? Okay, part of the pie. They're going to present with tremors and they're going to be really jittery. They might be irritable. And if they're irritable, they might then transition to becoming lethargic. They're likely to be hypothermic. And we've not even gotten to thermoregulation, but they're hypothermic because they don't have the sugar to warm themselves up. They oftentimes also are hypo, have some hypotonia, so they don't have very good like muscle strength. They have really poor uh, ability to suck or feed. 
a really weak cry. They might be cyanotic again because they don't have the glucose to activate their breathing muscles, so they're not going to get a lot of good oxygen. They might become apneic or tachypneic. Um, the pallor is going to change. And then if we don't do anything about it, these kids will eventually seize. So that's what these infants present with. And the what we're going to do to intervene is feed it, feed the baby, <laughs> or give them the glucose gel to their mucosa. Or if they're below 25 on their CBG, give them IV dextrose, like, you know, dextrose 10, um, Whatever you whatever you use in your hospital, give them IV sugar, and we really want to then try to minimize the metabolic demand that they have, and that is the beautiful segue. And basically, how do we know if it's working and evaluate how it is? The E of the pie is does their sugar come back up? <laughs> and again, each hospital is going to have their own policy behind you know how often are you checking the CBGs? At what point can you transition from like Q fifteen CBGs to Q thirty to Q hour? There's different. Uh, considerations depending on where you're working. And because we want to try to minimize the metabolic demand, this is a beautiful segue into thermoregulation. If a newborn cannot adequately thermoregulate themselves, their metabolic demands all over the place. And so what are the risk factors associated with a newborn who is becomes hypothermic, too cold, and cannot thermoregulate themselves adequately post birth. Those risk factors are going to be the babies that have decreased fat stores or the brown fat specifically. Uh, cold can be really fatal for neonates and can lead to cold stress. And when that happens, we then get this cascading energy crisis and it does not end well. It's going to then affect the glucose and the airway. So how do we, what do, how do we, um, how do these infants present or how do we assess them really? Well, we, you take their temperature. I mean, normally when the newborn comes out into the world and they're wet, the first thing that uh, we're doing as healthcare providers is we're drying the infant off because we know that that evaporative process is going to make them really cold. In our assessment of these newborns, we're going to take their temperature, usually in their axillary area or on their skin. Um, if that's the case, you know, like if their arms have been out and like fly, flinging around and not been bundled up, um, then that's not going to be an accurate temperature. So that only really works if the infant has been bundled correctly and then you quickly remove an arm, stick the temperature probe in their axillary area to take it. And then in terms of the assessment and how they're really presenting these these uh, newborns, when they become hypothermic or they have issues thermoregulating themselves, have a really weak cry, they'll have low energy because they're cold. Think about if you've ever been in the snow skiing, snowboarding, snowshoeing, whatever extracurricular activities you enjoy doing in the snow when you've gotten too cold you really start to slow down and that's what happens with newborns just in a not as severe weather situation they're going to have cold skin they're going to be really poor feeders because they're so cold and they're kind of the whole system starting to shut down well, when that happens they're going to burn through their glucose much faster because they're trying to keep themselves warm and because everything slows down they're going to slowly start to not breathe as well either again evil triangle of transition these three things airway glucose thermoregulation are all at play so when they get too cold or, and they have issues with thermoregulation, what are we going to do about it? Put them in a warmer or an isolate. Don't let them get wet and cold. So there's no bathing that's happening. Keep the cold away. Don't put the isolate right next to an open window. 
it seems pretty straightforward, but you'd be surprised. And then we really want for these infants to conserve their energy. We're going to monitor their temperature regularly. And then the biggest thing that you can do for thermoregulation is skin-to-skin contact. Get the baby onto one of the parent's chests that and have them do that direct skin to skin contact there's so much benefit to that um, that we really need to emphasize that especially when these newborns are struggling assuming that they don't have you know a sugar of 25 I'm not going to just leave the infant on the one of the birth parents chests with a sugar of 25 no I have to intervene because that's an emergency but really consider and push the skin to skin contact so I'm really sorry because I am not a uh, specialized pediatric nurse, but in my brain, the way that I break down the transition considerations of a newborn is the through the evil triangle of transition, and it's really just supposed to be a guide to consider the bigger aspects of that transition that the newborn is taking into the world. And again, those three big aspects, airway, glucose, thermoregulation. You master those three and kind of understand what predisposes infants to a problem in each of those areas and how you're going to treat it, those three things interplay with them all the time. So that's it for this particular little bit on newborns. Uh, Go forth and keep on learning.